Hello everyone, welcome back to the Football Tribute Podcast. My name is Thomas Dunning and today I'm joined by my co-host, Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? Doing well. Uh, on today's podcast, uh, we'll be reacting to last weekend's Premier League results, reacting to last weekend's Scottish Cup results, uh, discussing uh, the latest transfer news, uh, and at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of what the latest Asian football news. So uh, we'll start off with last weekend's um, English Premier League results. So uh, I'll just quickly go through them. Um, so on Saturday, the 20th of January, uh, the results were Arsenal 5, Crystal Palace 0, Brentford 3, Nottingham Forest 2. <clears throat> and then on Sunday, 21st of January, we had Sheffield United 2, West Ham United 2, and AFC Bournemouth 0, Liverpool 4. So, um, which match from these four results, Pierce, stands out to you most? I think the only really standout fixture for me has got to be the the first game you mentioned. That is obviously the Arsenal five, Crystal Palace nil. Um, and I think it just um goes to show the strength and depth that Arsenal do have when they're firing on all cylinders. Obviously, but Martin Elliott's uh, Bakayo Saka been under pressure for a wee while in terms of not producing when they've been quite off the boil in terms of not scoring enough goals, along with Gabriel Jesus, but obviously. Martinelli gets two late goals. Trossard comes in, scores as well. So it looks a bit more rosier for Arteta. Um, considering they lost the pace in terms of the title race in the Premier League. So um, and two, two of Martinelli's goals are pretty much carbon copy. Left-hand side, kind of, uh, just side-footing into the far corner. Uh, and Crystal Palace, um, I don't think they really did anything contributing going forward I think they'll just try to damage damage limitation at times um, but I thought um, even a couple of goals as well set pieces for Arsenal which is quite unusual because they're not really uh, a big side um, but yeah no I thought I thought it was a fairly uh, convincing win and um, and I think it gets a monkey off the back so obviously Arteta because a lot of the Arsenal fans were disgruntled because of um, teams are kind of pulling away from them a little bit. Yeah, um, my standout result is the AFC Bournemouth now Liverpool four match, um, just because you know I think Bournemouth Liverpool um were the two most informed teams going into that match, um, so um I thought it was going to be a bit of a difficult game for Liverpool, um, but they they ended up winning the game quite convincingly. You know, in the first half it was a pretty tight match. Um, and, and then it was nil nil half time, but then the second half Liverpool kind of stepped it up, and then their attacking, um, their attacking force at the end was just too strong for Bournemouth. Um, you know they've also got no Salah. I mean, it's actually quite they've got no, they had no Trent, no Salah, um, you know, no Robertson. Shabashlai wasn't playing as well, and you know they went away to Bournemouth, who have been brilliant the last few weeks, and they won four 0 um, you know, it was just just a brilliant result for them, and I think now you can. See, I wasn't sure about it a few weeks ago, but I think you can now say that Liverpool definitely, definitely, uh, well in the title race now. Um, you know, there's only we're coming into the end of this kind of run into the season, uh, end of the season, and Liverpool are right in there. Um, in terms of winning the title, 
Um, so I just think that was a standout result. Um, just for the how convincing the scoring was, because I actually thought Bournemouth. I actually had I, I don't know why I kind of had a feeling that Bournemouth were actually going to beat Liverpool, um, but that obviously didn't turn out to be true. Um, so that was my standout result from the weekend. And then obviously just you were touching about Arsenal. Uh, you know, it was good for them to get back into, you know, winning, uh, winning form again. Uh, you know, it was a really convincing result. And then I think Roy Hodgson's under a bit of pressure at Crystal Palace. I don't think the fans are too happy um, with the team and the manager. I think there was some banners that were shown um, from the Crystal Palace end. So... Uh, it looks a bit troubling there at the moment. And I just want to touch on the Brentford on the Forest match. Uh, that was Ivan Tony's first match um, in quite quite a long time, uh, over six months. Obviously, come back from a bad run. Um, and, you know, he scores in his first match back. Uh, it was a really good free kick. And I think they've missed him big time. Um, I mean, the only so, problem is uh, there was a bit of is- controversy around that free kick when he moved the ball a couple of times. Yeah, I, I saw that, yeah. I know. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a if he caught that. I don't think that that would have been brought back. Um, but it didn't get caught. And, you know, but at the end of the day, he did, he did end up scoring. Uh, you know, was it, it was it was a quite a cover free kick. Um, and, you know, Brentford have been really poor. They've had some really poor results. I think they had one in quite a while. Um, and then Ivan Tony comes back and they... they, they, they they get back to winning ways, so um, he's going to be so important to them, um, you know, and, and from now to the end of the season. And that's if they can keep him this January, which I think they will. Um, you know, I think there's a few kind of big clubs in England that won him. Uh, Arsenal, I think, are the favourites for him. But um, I think he will stay until the end of the season and then he'll probably likely move on in the summer. But I think Brentford, uh, they would like nothing to have him back. Um, so, yeah, again, a quiet weekend of Premier League football. I don't think we're going to see Premier League football now for a couple of weeks because I think this week um, it's the FA Cup. So uh, we'll not have uh, the Premier League back until <clears throat> uh, next week. So, um, yeah, so. But my standout result from um, last weekend was the Bournemouth now Liverpool 4 match. Uh, so we'll move on um, to the... Scottish Cup um, results. So obviously the the SPFL teams were back in action after the winter break and they kicked off um, the return from the winter break with the Scottish Cup. So I'll just quickly go through the results. Um, there's quite a few. So um, so the, the first match was Spartans 1, Hearts 2. Um, we have Aber- um, Clyde 0, Aberdeen 2. Um, we have A United 3, Kelly Hearts 0, Bonnie Rig Rose 2, Falkirk 1, Forfer 0, Hibs 1, Morton 2, Ventrose 0, Inverness 4, Broomhill 0, Kilmarnock 2, Dundee 0, Limston 2, Rafe Rovers 1, Murrowell 3, Alloa Athletic 1, Ross County 0, Partick Thistle 3, St Mirren 1, Queen of the South 0, Airdrie 1, St Johnston 0, Dumbarton 1, Rangers 4, and then on Sunday 21st of January we had one Scottish Cup match and that was Celtic 5, Bucky Thistle 0, 
Uh, so just looking through these results, if you asked, I don't know about you, there wasn't too many surprises. Um, I don't know about yourself, but do you have a match there that stands out to you? Um, what do you think? Is there anything there that stands out to you the most? Uh, probably, probably the standout, like kind of short. The only short result that I can see in, in the list that you've mentioned is probably Erdronians one St Johnston nil. Could obviously that's a championship yeah. side up against a a Premiership outfit. Although St Johnston have been struggling, but um, Craig Levine has kind of got them quite resolute. But obviously, we've seen um, Erdronians up close just a couple of years ago uh, when we were covering Queens Park, and they're a decent outfit. Um, uh, Reese became the player manager, former Rangers midfielder, and I think um, he's got him playing some nice football. And obviously, he's yeah. got into the next round, um, put a Premiership outfit, which is no no mean task. Um, so I think it's a it's got to be a, a special mention there. Um, but I think the game that I kind of caught uh, on Saturday was I think was it no sorry the Friday game was um, Clyde nil Aberdeen two, and obviously we all know what happened last year with Aberdeen at this round. When they played Darvel, yeah. it was yeah. uh, most it was the most talked about result in Scottish football for a long, long time. Uh, so that monkeys off the back there, so they went to Clyde, um, at the Hamilton Stadium. So um, and I think we also scored a one a, a really nice goal on a, a half turn, and then Devlin sealed it late on. Uh, so I think they just did a bit too much quality, but I think. You can see there's still a bit of nerves from last year, but um, I think just getting through it in the next round will do Aberdeen the world of good because obviously they're a really good outfit. They've done well in Europe this season as well, so it's just about kind of kicking on and potentially just try getting to the latter stage of the competition. And I think obviously the fairy tale story we've got to mention as well is the last game over the weekend, and that was uh, Celtic 5, Bucky Thistle 0. Um, and you probably yeah. expected um, Celtic to play a weekend team against a team that's from the Highland League, although they're top of the Highland League, but they four divisions below. Um, so, but the fact is that Celtic nearly played a full-strength side, minus the players that are away on um, national duty. Um, I thought I thought that shows the respect that they, they gave the opposition, and, and I think Celtic won the game fairly comfortable, and it could have been a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of offside goals that I probably... The long, probably the first time I've seen that happen about five, six times of a positive caught offside constantly, but they're scoring the goals. Um, and that can only be a good thing because once they got onside, it'll only benefit the, the attacking players because they're looking to just get in that wee half yard in front of the defenders. Um, but no, I thought five different goal scorers, and obviously it's, it's kind of nice to see as well. Uh, some obviously a carry players being brought in for Celtic because I think that's like the first time. And I and I will that that's happened. So it's nice to see the uh, the big two in Scotland anyway bringing on academy players and the Scottish Cup because I think once they get the opportunity, it's about trying to grasp it because you don't get many at Celtic Rangers because once you get an opportunity to play, you need to take it. Otherwise, you won't be there for long. And that's obviously the three fixtures that I think will just stand out for me. Yeah, um, it's, I don't really have a big. That's not a, for me. That's not a big massive standout match that. You could say was really surprising, but um, I'm going to go with the Ross County nil, Party Crystal three. Uh, you know, I think that was quite a standout result. Um, you know, obviously Ross County in the top division, Party Crystal in the championship. Uh, you know, in the fact Party Crystal went there away from home, uh, and they won three nil. Um, kind of good, kind of good revenge for them after what happened last season. 
when they both played in uh, in the playoff final and Worst County won in penalties. Um, so, no, that was a pretty a, a pretty standard result, just considering the result, the fact that it ended 3-0. Um, and then I thought Derek Adams, who's the New York County manager, again, kind of having a dig at his players, saying that, kind of suggesting that he, if he'd have thought about it more, uh, he went and left his last job at Morecambe to come to Ross County. Um, so, uh, kind of controversial again. Uh, you know, he seems to come out with quite wild comments, controversial comments every weekend after Ross County have a, a negative result. I don't so, think um, he's for long then, Molly, if he's keeping it in No, I know. You see what happened to him? I know, I mean, yeah. I mean, the players, I mean, I don't know what the players think about that. When, I mean, every weekend he comes out with some quite big statements. Um, you know, I don't know what the players think about it in the dressing room, but it would be quite interesting to see uh, or even hear. But um, yeah, that was that was probably the biggest standout result for me uh, from the weekend. Uh, obviously, you were just suggesting uh, Air Jason Johnston. Uh, you know, I think Air are known for playing quite good football. Uh, they kind of keep the ball on the ground and they play a lot of passes and stuff. Um, and they've got a really young manager there, so it's quite a good uh, everything there at the moment. Air is quite you know, it's quite refreshing to see. Uh, you don't really get a lot of championship teams in Scotland that kind of play like that. Um, so it's quite good to see that. Uh, I want to touch on the, the Bonnie Rig Rose 2 Falkirk 1 match. Uh, I think Bonnie Rig Rose are in Highland League. Um, and for, that was actually Falkirk's first defeat of the season. Uh, they're still undefeated in League 1. Um, and, you know, Falkirk actually... In, uh, yeah, Falkirk, you know, they've gone really well, obviously, the top of the table in League One, and that was actually their first defeat of the season. Uh, and Borne and Rose won that match in the last minute of the game. So that was quite a significant result. So, um, you know, really, for me, quite up there in terms of standard matches from the weekend. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Celtic match, I mean, that'd be the shock of all shocks. Okay, if I so much to win that, um, I think that'd be the biggest shock in this different world. Um, but obviously, Celtic won that. Uh, comfortably and Bucky Fissel actually had a good kind of turnout in terms of fans uh, I think they brought a lot so it was good. that was good to see um, and then also lastly I mean it wasn't a big it was Hearts beat Spartans 2-1 I don't know if you saw the Spartans goal um, last weekend it was oh it was a brilliant goal um, from outside the box and first time volley and it was right in the top corner it was a brilliant goal um, and Hearts had to it was the last minute of the game for Hearts to win that um, so, um, yeah, so quite some kind of good moments from last weekend in the Scottish Cup. Um, but my standout match is the Ross County nil, uh, Partick Thistle free match. Um, so we'll move on to uh, uh, another bit of Scottish football news, which is starting from next season uh, in the top flight in the SPFL. There's going to be no winter break, so it's tradition. It's tradition for um. Uh, the top flight in Scotland for teams to go on a two week two week winter break, uh, just after uh, the New Year's matches. Um, but that's not going to be happening for the next season. Um, so it'll mean probably that the, the season starts a little bit later, uh, than it usually does. Um, so well, I don't know. Do you think that's quite significant? Do you think that changes a lot, or do you not think it's that big of a a situation? Would you think? I think it has to happen. Um, with also the new format and with UEFA with, uh, competition starting from next season in terms of the Champions League, Conference League, Europa League, 
Um, there are more teams than ever, so there's going to be more games. Usually, a traditional six matches. Um, but I think now it's up to ten or twelve matches. So the fact is, it's like it's like a league format, and there's a certain amount of teams that automatic automatically qualified, and in a certain position, the teams that go into the 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 knockout uh, the knockouts for the playoff. Um, so it's it, it can only benefit Scottish football. Um, obviously, the traditional Dubai trips for the for, for most of the players will have to just be put on hold. Um, but probably an extended uh, summer break, so it's probably a benefit that way. But obviously, with a lot of fixtures over that festive period, um, traditional in Scotland, it will be a bit difficult. But in terms, of if you if you're wanting to progress in Europe, especially obviously your the likes of your Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen Hearts and Hibs, up the top end of the table. If you want to be in European competitions beyond Christmas, um, it has to happen. So you have to have games in between. You can't have a two-week hiatus from any football and then expect to play European ties. So I think it can only benefit the Scottish teams. And with Scottish teams in Europe have proven that they can compete at this level in terms of group stage football. Um, it's just about obviously trying to make sure uh, all the Scottish sides have the best uh, best chances possible to progression beyond uh, into the knockout stages beyond Christmas, and I think it's a good move by the uh, the SFA because obviously the SPFL needs to um, accommodate European football because it brings in so much money to the rest of the clubs in the SPFL system. So I think it can only benefit all the Scottish clubs in the long run. So I think it's a good decision. Yeah, um, and you know it, it, it's only totally broke. The news only broke kind of just before we went on the on the podcast. I don't, I don't think it necessarily changes a lot. Um, you know, obviously you were saying there about the the European football side, which is true. Um, but I don't think it changes a lot um, in terms of um, you know, teams in terms of uh, fighting for the goals and uh, what they want to achieve in this season. Um, uh, you know. I think I don't think teams in top flight. I don't think the managers and stuff will be happy because I think they like that winter break because it means that they can get all their their team their um, players back fit. Um, you know, and then kind of push on for the last part of the season. Um, but I don't really think, in my opinion, it kind of changes much. Um, you know, you see our teams, uh, in the in our leagues that kind of, uh, you know, they don't get winter breaks. You know, see in the lower divisions of England, you know, the amount of matches they play, uh, you know, um, and, you know, they seem to survive it. So I, I don't really think it's a big, massive, um, you know, decision, uh, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes because this winter break's been such a traditional part in Scottish football for quite a while. Uh, so it'll be interesting for next season to see, um, you know, how these, how the, the teams in top flight kind of, you know, react to it and how they, they, they kind of survive it. Um, so we'll move on now to uh, transfer news um, kind of around the globe. Uh, we had actually quite last weekend, and, um, sorry, last week we had a quite big transfer news story, which was uh, Ajax, and they signed uh, Jordan Henderson from the Saudi team Al Etihad. Uh, so Jordan Henderson was in Saudi Arabia for six months. Um, but he's now left Al Etifak and he's come back to Europe and he's now playing um, for Ajax. So, what do you think about that one, Pierce? That's a bit of a strange decision, I think. Um, 
obviously we all know the reasons he went to Saudi Arabia. It wasn't because yeah. of the the beaches. It was because of obviously the monetary gain that he would have, um, pocketing. Uh, I think it was close to six hundred thousand pounds a week, tax free. But um, he cited reasons for leaving. Obviously, the fact that his family couldn't stay with him. Um, and obviously, the the there's not enough fans in the stadium because he was at one of the 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 lower sides in the in the league. Um, but obviously, he did have his obviously. Uh, f- f- former teammate Stephen Gerrard as manager so you expect that would have been a nice connection for him but it just also didn't work out for him and he's travelling back and forth in terms of for England duty as well so I think he wants to make sure he plays as long as he can for England and obviously get a bit of stick for the fans as well so maybe all that accumulated into his decision making and obviously he's going to Ajax who are predominantly a, a really top side in Europe and obviously they usually dominate and uh, Dutch football, but this season they've had probably one of the, they've had the worst starts they've ever had um, for a very long time. Um, and also, I think they're now sitting in fifth in the table, uh, tailing the uh, PSV, but I think it's like 23 points. So maybe that's a smart signing by Ajax, because obviously they lost in the summer. Big, big money signing uh, for West Ham was Edson Alvarez, and they lost Kudus as well. So I think they're needing something to show up that defence, because I think they're a bit leaky. And obviously, it's an easier commute from uh, Holland to England for probably his family as well. So I think it's probably a smart decision for him. He's probably taking the family and obviously England into the, uh, the equation. And obviously, the, I think a lot of decisions will be made in terms of transfers due to Euro 2024 for a lot of players. And I think that's another one that's came into his, his thinking because if you get an injury to Declan Rice for England, he's usually the, the first one in, in that position that can play there. So I think even at his age with his experience in tournaments, that's probably his decision making. I think that's probably a smart move. And for for me, he's took a massive pay cut to go there. And I think that's for for, for Ajax, they're gaining a very experienced player and um, obviously still a tremendous amount of quality. Um, no, so I think it's a really smart signing. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a smart signing for Ajax as well. Um, you know, you know, he's a very experienced player. Uh, uh, you know, that's, they've picked up now, but they had a really bad start to the season. Um, so uh, for Jordan Henderson to come in to that middle of the pitch, you know, he's a Champions League winner, the Premier League winner as well. So he'll add a lot to um, Ajax um, in terms of what they want to achieve this season. Um, in terms of Jordan Henderson, but I think it's a right move for him because obviously they've got, I think a lot of his decision to leave Aletifak come back to Europe was obviously his family but obviously the fact that as you said the Euros are coming in the summer and I think he's desperate to to be in that squad because most likely what I think is as likely that this will be his last kind of tournament um, in an England shirt so I think he was desperate to kind of get into that squad and um, you know it, it was a controversial when he did leave Liverpool to go to uh, Saudi Arabia um, you know he's only lasted six months there uh, you know, I, I think um, you said about the fan situation, the fact that there's not a lot of fans that go to the matches for the team that John Henderson played for. Uh, you know, I think that was part of his decision as well. Um, but, you know, to go to Ajax, I mean, what an opportunity because they're like one of the biggest clubs in the world. You know, they play in a brilliant stadium. They play really good football. Um, you know, and I think it's a really good move for them. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the Saudi Arabia, um, 
experience didn't really work out for him. Um, but you know, going to Ajax, I think it's a it's a really really good move, um, for him. And then obviously just t- touching on Saudi Arabia as well. Uh, I think there's a bit of news about Karim Benzema at the moment, who plays for um Al No, sorry, he doesn't. He plays for Al Ittihad. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently he's kind of unsettled there at the moment. Uh, you know, there's kind of rumours, a lot of rumours at the moment that he's thinking about leaving. Uh, I think there's a few Premier League clubs that have been kind of interested in him. Uh, I think Leon, his former club, are trying to sign him as well. Uh, so what do you think, Pierce? Do you think Benzema will stay or do you think he'll come back? What do you think? Oh, I probably know Benzema more than uh, more, most than, uh, more than anyone because yeah. I've followed him very closely for years in terms of watching break out of Leon. Um, and then obviously followed his career at Real Madrid. Um, obviously being a Real Madrid fan, watched him very closely. He'd stick a, a, quite a few, fair few times from the Madrid fans. And then once Ronaldo left, um, he came out of the shadow and became the main man. Won, won himself a Ballon d'Or, carried Real Madrid to Champions League against Manchester City and Liverpool, which seemed impossible. Um, and then his final season, he was played injuries. He was let go. Went to Saudi Arabia, um, earning a lot of money, obviously, obviously from African origins, um, Algerian born French. It seemed like the perfect fit for him. Obviously, going to the what the probably the most successful side in Saudi Arabia, um, Al-Ated record champions, but it just hasn't worked out. He hasn't scored a lot of goals or assists, and then the big matches against the Al Nassr and the other big sides in Saudi Arabia, he's failed to. Could contribute at all, and obviously Nuno said uh, um has also left the job as well, and obviously there's been fallouts with the club as well. So I think like, the fact is the higher officials uh, at had are not happy, but obviously the Saudi Pro League, the people that run the whole league as a whole, want to keep him in the league and maybe potentially transfer to another side in the league. But I think you can see with Benzema. Um, I think he does want to go back to Europe, but I think it's just not worked out for him. Um, you mentioned Leon, but I don't know. I think there's quite a, there's quite a fair few teams in the Premier League that could do with a striker, and I'm thinking three clubs: Chelsea, who don't score enough goals; Manchester United, who are struggling, and only rely on uh, Rasmus Hoyland. And obviously, with the experience of Karim Benzema at 35, um, would be invaluable for these players as well. And obviously, you mentioned. About even Tony Arsenal, I think Karim Benzema at Arsenal would be perfect as well. Um, because obviously, you know, Benzema, brilliant with his link up play. It's not the quickest anymore, but he just knows half yard. He's brilliant. He can link up players brilliantly. And obviously, seeing how he walked, how well he worked with Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. at Real Madrid. And if you've got Mudrik and um, I think it's uh, Madueke at Chelsea or Cole Palmer. You, you, uh, link up there and obviously Arsenal you've got Bakayo Saka and uh, Gabriel Martinelli and Martin Odegaard who he knows from his time at Real Madrid as well so there could be potential links but obviously I think obviously the fairy tale story would be going back to Leon. but I think the Premier League I think it's just another big league you'd want to try and even if it's just six months until the end of the season I think um, it would be brilliant for him and I think it would be brilliant for the Premier League if they could attract a player of his calibre um, but I do think he will leave Saudi Arabia yeah, uh, I think it, I think it's unlikely to leave Saudi Arabia. Um, 
you know, I think it's clear at the moment that there's issues there that he kind of wants to, want to, I think he wants to temporary, I think it's temporarily for like six months or something. Um, um, and there is a lot of uh, Premier League clubs that are linked with him. So, you know, that'd be, that'd be amazing to see Benzema playing the Premier League. Um, you know, I think Arsenal would benefit the most because obviously they need that striker. Um, that top, top striker and Benzema's obviously one of the best strikers to play in this kind of century. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's not confirmed yet. It's, it's still not really confirmed what's really happening, but it does seem to be that he is kind of thinking about leaving uh, in this giant window. You know, the Saudi League don't want him to leave because he's obviously their kind of one of the biggest star, stars in the league. Um, so uh, it's kind of interesting to see what happens. Um, but yeah, I bet it, I mean, it'd be amazing if he ends up going to uh, the Premier League, but it's all just rumours at the moment. So I think in the next week or so, by the time, this time next week, when we do the, the podcast, we'll kind of know more about uh, what the situation is. Um, so for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so obviously match day two happened. Um of the Asian Cup and obviously um, so we started uh, on Friday um, done a match report on it Iraq 2 Japan 1 um, a first half double from Ayman Hussein reserved to seal a famous victory over Japan as he triumphed 2-1 a late Wataro Endo strike in stoppage time pulled a goal back for Japan but they couldn't find an all important equaliser and have now suffered defeat for the very first time in 12 matches um, with the last defeat coming on the 28th of March 2023, where they lost 2-1 to Colombia. It was a pragmatic approach from Iraq, as they made the most of set-pieces, counter-attack situations, and, th- and threw bodies on the line as they defended their goal manfully. In the end, the tactics worked, as they nullified Japan to very little clear-cut chances, and I'm sure this will give Hajime Moriyasu major headaches heading into the final group game against Indonesia. So they play Indonesia on Wednesday the 24th of January. That'll be the final group stage game. And that is set for an 8.30 kickoff, Korean Southern time. So this is a must not lose for Japan as they're now level on points with Indonesia but have a superior goal difference. If Japan draw or win, they progress into the last 16 in second place where they could potentially play South Korea in the last 16 if they top their group, which is a match everyone wants to see. Um, if they lose it, it'll be unthinkable for the favourites to crash out so soon, especially given the talent at their disposal. And Japan will be hoping Karo Matoma will be fit enough to play a part and help his country progress to the last 16. So South Korea played on the 20th of January and they drew 2 all with Jordan. And that's, I've done a match report on that as well, and it's also available on the Football Chugu website. So South Korea rescued a late point against Jordan with an own goal from... Um, Yazoo Abu Al Arab as they drew against Jordan with an own goal to two. It's as you were in Group E as the top two shared the spoils and are on both on four points after the opening two matches. Jordan and South Korea share the spoils in what was an evenly fought contest, although South Korea will be kicking themselves, having missed three glorious opportunities in the match, and on another day it could have been a resounding victory. Jordan caused South Korea all sorts of problems, especially in the first half, and they tried to protect the lead in the second half, but couldn't hold on in the end. 
and I think a draw is a fair result and both sides now have four points apiece after the opening two matches in this AFC Asian Cup Group E. So South Korea played a final group stage game on Thursday the 25th of January where they will host Malaysia and that is also set for an 8.30 kickoff Korean Southern time. This is a must win for South Korea as they're joint top with Jordan but tail Jordan by two goals and have a slim advantage over Bahrain by a point. So South Korea are now playing the bottom seeds of the group and should be a victory but they'll need to be they'll need to better Jordan's result if they are to top the group and potentially set up a glamour tie with Japan in the last 16. And South Korea will be hoping Huang Chan can either start or play as Chogo Sung is currently struggling for form and you can see he is lacking confidence at the moment. So Nightmare of a news from the Korean camp as the first choice goalkeeper Kim seung goo has sustained a torn ACL which will rule him out for the rest of the Asian Cup. Um, so this means that Jo Young-woo is now the number one for the rest of the remaining games of the AFC Asian Cup 2023. So according to media outlets in the UK, Celtic FC have held talks with Guangzhou FC midfielder Jung Ho Young. Jung Ho Young won the K-League 1 Young Player of the Year award last season and as he helped uh, guide Guangzhou FC to third place finished after promotion from the K-League 2. Jung has been on Celtic's radar for some time and this could be a deal that happens this window. Watch this space as Football Chugut has got you covered with all Asian football transfer news. Fujitsu have purchased the naming rights to Todor Todoroki Stadium which will now be called Uvan's Todoroki Stadium by Fujitsu. The contract will run until March 2029 of or when the stadium gets renovated, whichever comes first, and that is the Kawasaki Frontale Stadium. So the fixture list for the, the 2024 G League One season is here. The newly expanded 20-team Meiji Yasuda G League One kicks off on Friday the 23rd of February with a special doubleheader. San Fretchi Hiroshima will take on Uride Diamonds to open the season at the brand new Edeon Peace Wing Hiroshima before Nagoya Grampus hosts Cash Antlers in the rematch of the 1993 inaugural season opener. The next day, reigning champions Vasil Kobe will begin their title defence at Jubilo Awata, a club that is back in the first division after promotion last year. On Sunday, runner, last year's runners-up, Yokama F. Marinos, um, will also take on a newly promoted side in their opening contest. The Tri-Club will, will uh, make the short trip to Tokyo, Tokyo Verde, where will return to the J-League 1 for the first time in a decade and a half. These are just some of the exciting fixtures that define the 2024 opening weekend. So Friday the 23rd of February, we have San Fitzgerald against Ura Diamonds, Nogo Grampus against Cam Shartners, and on Saturday we have Jubilawata versus Vassel Kobe, Azifa Fukuoka versus Hoikido Consolo Sapporo, Sagantusa versus Alberich Nagata, um, FC Machida Zelvia versus Gambo Saka, Shonan Belmer against Kawasaki Frontale and then Serres Osaka versus FC Tokyo and to round off on Sunday the 25th of February we have Kawashiri Assault versus Kyoto Sanga and Tokyo Verde versus uh, Yokama F. Maros and that's all your latest Asian football news Thank you Pierce and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Football Trigger Podcast This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Trigger YouTube channel and also the Football Trigger website Thanks for listening and see you soon.
Bye-bye.